Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. Very excited for today's guest, John Rady. His book is all about how exercise can benefit your brain, not just your body, but your brain, both from an emotional standpoint, your cognitive abilities, and more. It's really, really good stuff. As always, if you like the podcast, please give it a five-star review and also subscribe. That'd be awesome. Here we go. We will be speaking with author and associate clinical professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, John Rady. Uh, I read his book, Spark the Revolutionary New Science of Exercise in the Brain. He's written 11 books. He's got over 60 peer-reviewed articles, and he has established himself as one of the world's foremost authorities on the brain fitness connection. We'll also talk about his most recent book. It's been a few years now, but go wild. I'm intrigued by that, too. I've got that on my, my wish list. Dr. Rady, I couldn't be happier to have you on because frankly, and I've told I've told my listeners on my radio show this, I've I've tweeted about this. Yours is one of two books that I've read in the last six months that's that's transformed my life in a way that I frankly I'd been become cynical enough to believe that I didn't think a book was gonna change that much. But um your uh, your book Spark really changed things for me. Well, that's great. Uh, it's wonderful that when you hear this, that a book can do that much for you. You know, it's it's great, and I I'm so passionate about it anyway. And to, to get this kind of reinforcement from you and from you know people all over the world, actually, so it it uh, it 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 keeps me in the game because I'm <laughs> very much very much involved now trying to get a slice into the uh, how exercise really makes a difference with COVID. Um, oh, you know? yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'll, let's start with this because, and I always, 
I'm always hesitant when I when I have somebody whose book I've read is on. I try to remember, like, okay, wait a second, we got to start with the basics first. Um, and and I would just say simply, since I read your book and over the last three months, as I've kind of implemented a lot of the things that I've learned, I feel more stable on a mental and emotional level than I ever have in my entire life. My my anger management issues are just completely almost nullified. We'll see. I haven't I haven't run across certain people face to face yet because of COVID. <laughs> so we'll we'll find out about that. But I guess just just for our listeners sake, tell me why this has changed me so much. What have uh, what has daily exercise done for me that perhaps people might not realize it could do for them? Well, most people just think about exercise as a uh, as a way to tune your body up you know, to lose weight, to get more buff, whatever, whatever you're looking for. But really, uh, exercise is there for us. We need it in this, in our lives now. We grew out of being hunter-gatherers when we were moving all the time. We were lifting, we were running, we were climbing. Uh, we had to be, and we were on it. We were in, in uh, we didn't have to work at, at being present. Uh, we had to be present because there is danger all around us. And we... Uh, uh, That's true. Yeah, mind, we, mindfulness was kind of a daily necessity, right? Yeah, you know, you had to be because not only is it just moving around, foraging and getting and picking up stuff along the way, but also being uh, not wanting to be cat food because there are all these big cats out there wanting to eat us up and, and then other humans. But... In the main, uh, we we when we exercise, we need we. What happens is we get back to that uh, that steady state of being that we were in before, and and so what do we see in today's language in today's world? When we exercise, we are getting our emotional uh, life under control, um, and uh, along with that we are getting much more cognitively enabled, meaning we can think better, we can remember better, we take in information better, we associate better, we get more creative, uh, and at the same time with our emotions in check or actually boosted to make us more motivated. So we're less anxious, we're less stressed, um, we're uh, you know, and, and uh, we were more positive and we are more social mm -hmm. we, and we, we're driven. We were more in a space. Uh, our brain has changed and we're much more likely to be social. Well, and I guess, yeah. And, and when you say the brain has changed, I think some people might think of that almost metaphorically or, or psychologically, physically your your brain is bathed in neurotransmitters when you start exercising and in your in your receptors you become more receptive to those neurotransmitters as well exactly what what it, what happens is it, i mean the basic formula is this when you when we're moving we are using more brain cells than in any other human activity and when that happens we release a lot of neurotransmitters a lot of hormones and a lot of growth factors because the brain is a muscle you got to think of it that way the more you use it the better it gets and when we use it a lot it dumps out uh, all kinds of these chemicals to help it grow 
just like our muscles grow when we when we're exercising, so our brain grows. And one and well, that's so important because what we know since really 2000, the only way we learn anything is for our brain cells to grow. Mm-hmm. We have to grow in the information for us to really nail it, for us to have a memory of it. Well, and that the the part that made the impression on me perhaps the strongest, at least earliest in the book, was when you talked about the evidence that it begins immediately in that hour and a half or two hours after exercise, you're really primed to to make connections, that, that your neuroplasticity is at an all-time high. And that that's when I started looking at it like, wow, this is this is a performance enhancer. This is I'm very short-term oriented. I have a hard time thinking about the long term. But man, when I started thinking about me having a mental challenge or a work task or something that I can kind of just get a cheap little performance enhancer by working out for a half hour beforehand, that's what just that, that's what sparked it for me. Yeah, but no, that absolutely. And it, and, and in fact, the, the, the way to sustain motivation uh, about exercising, because that's usually the biggest problem we have, we start and then we uh, tail off uh, is to remember how you feel today just the way your short-term analysis is great because I want something now and so when you when you go do a run or you do jump rope or you do weights or you do push-ups or you do squats whatever for a period of time you are going to be then ready to uh, take on the world to take in the world differently than you would have just approaching the world without having jazzed up your whole brain because we know what happens your brain gets turned on mm-hmm. it gets lit up and when your brain's lit up it's ready to go one of the really encouraging things in your research has been how much exercise can help people with ADHD anxiety depression and when you wrote spark it was 2008 and i know you had you had mentioned in there a few times that there seemed to be resistance from mainstream medicine to this notion that exercise can be as good for depression or better than SSRIs or you know Zoloft and Prozac. It, it seems just from reading things in the, the mainstream media, for lack of a better term, it seems like that resistance has lessened a little or a lot. Maybe since your book and a lot of other research has come out, it seems like doctors really fully grasp it now. Oh yeah, no, they do, it, but it's still it's still too often a genuflect. Uh, you know, it's saying, okay, we need to do this. You need to do this, but not with the unless they're an exerciser themselves. They do yoga, or if they do, if they're in a running club or a biking club, uh, you know, they're not going to push it with the same enthusiasm uh, that someone who who comes from that environment, because and so. It's, you know, uh, Quebec, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, what, what is it? The province of Quebec mm-hmm. some years ago said and, and had this law that all doctors at every visit will give an exercise prescription to their patients. And I mean, it's just, you know, and any doctor, if they went in for a dermatologic exam or, you know, a, a radiologist, they were supposed to always write a prescription hmm. for 
them to exercise. In other words, just to cue them, cue them, cue them to the people, the patients to do it. I'm sure that didn't, that doesn't sustain, but it was a great idea and I got forms and everything from it, but I'm sure it's not being generally used like that, but that's the kind of thing we need to get to. Although today with our changing world and it's all telemedicine, yeah, that's even harder, you know? Yeah. Well, that's you know? uh, it, it, my, my co-host on my radio show, his sons went to, to um, Naperville High School in oh, yeah. Chicago, which you you reference heavily. That's what you open up your book with. You open up the book Spark with Naperville High School and then also Titusville, PA, two, yeah. two very different demographics, I suppose, socioeconomically. I mean, Naperville is a pretty affluent area. Titusville, PA is old Rust Belt, Western PA, or yeah, Western PA. Um, but both places have implemented really extensive physical education programs and not gym class, but genuine physical education where they have to do some form of cardio every single morning. And so I talked to one of uh, one of Sean's sons, his name's Sammy Pendergast. And I, and I asked him, you know, did you know, did you notice a difference? And he said, well, I don't know, because I was in that program my whole life. So at the time, I couldn't tell you the difference. But but I definitely did notice the difference when I got to college, how I felt when I was exercising and when I wasn't. Um, but that that Naperville program has that started to catch on because again this was 2008 when you were writing about it and the trying to I know trying to convince school boards to spend more money on physical education right now is really swimming against the tide. Yeah, no, it 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 it's fits and starts. Who's really been interested in it is Asia. Uh, you know the Asian countries who believe in science. You know. <laughs> and and they have, uh, you know, I'm always called there to start Naperville there. I mean, that's what they want. Everybody wants to import Naperville. It's it's it, it and now Naperville is on its own. I mean, it's it's embedded in the community, and that's what you have to do. So, um, you know, for it to because what happens usually with school school districts, the school board changes. You know, mm -hmm. we have fifty thousand school boards. So even with a centralized push for it, it's going to be very difficult because everybody's going to vote differently and have their idea about what's important and and what's not. And then that you might have a principal, and that's people in, that we I mentioned in my book, uh, giving examples. You know, somebody is really into it and they get it involved in this and they get it embedded in the school, but then they leave. And then, then, then somebody's not as passionate or against it or think it's useless or just see the typical is an administrator will say, well, this is just for the jocks. You know, this is just for the athletes when it's not at all. It's not at oh, all. Oh, yeah. If anything, my friend's son's biggest complaint was he wished there had been basketball and other things, you know, and uh, he, he said his junior and senior year, there's a boys only program that actually gets pretty competitive that, yeah. uh, that, that he really enjoyed that part of it. But yeah, it's not, uh, but I could see where, when you talk about the politics of it, a school board member that can stand up and stand for, you know, financial responsibility and get rid of, look at what we're spending on gym and, and all of that. It's an easier sell. I actually, I thought about that as I was watching one of your Ted talks, because as you started in, you, first, you started off with a with a fun. It looked like ten Hindu squats, which yeah. everybody enjoyed a lot, right? Because you got to get yeah. their brains primed for for uh, your presentation. But as soon as you started the presentation, I tried to put myself 
in the shoes of somebody in the audience. And I figured a lot of people, when you first start talking, the immediate knee-jerk reaction is, oh, great, this guy's going to tell me that exercise is good for me. I, I know that. And then hypothetically, in my own brain, I started arguing with this hypothetical person saying, no, 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 wait, 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 there's more. Um, so is it, do, you, do you face some resistance from people that figure, yeah, I've heard my whole life about how exercise is good for me? Right, yes, yes, uh, of course. But then I, I quickly pivot and say, look, it's not just for your body. You know, it's not just to get you more fit and to get you more buff and all the other things that exercise can do. Those are important, but what's really important is you get your brain better. You get you make your brain better than it can be in, given any other boost, any other, you know, medicine, Prevagen, or whatever, you're, you know, or, uh, you know, gym, uh, brain gyms or, uh, brain exercises? No. Physical exercise will bring your brain to the highest uh, level of its uh, of plasticity, of, of being able to take in new information and, and improve your creativity. All these, I mean, we know it happens and we know pretty much how it happens or what, what the constituents are that we can measure that are different. Yeah, I guess that's that's probably a, a surprise to a lot of people, isn't it? That it isn't that it is pretty clear cut that you can figure out exactly, especially perhaps with with either depression or ADHD, you know where the the I don't know if disorder is the right word, but you know yep. where the the breakdown in the brain is, and you can see what the difference is with exercise. Right, but we're, uh, we we just finished. My partner and I just finished our fourth ADHD book. It's coming out in January. But and in a big a big chapters in there are chapters in exercise, which has always been something we push, but also on the cerebellum on balance and rhythm, which are also very important for the brain, you know, and it's getting more so. This is if there's one area that's really expanded in the past 20 years, it's that. It's realizing how important that is for physically moving and all that kind of stuff but also for our, our higher brain functions. We need to have them organized and, and, and working smoothly and effortlessly together. And uh, yeah. Well, that's where, and um, you know, when you move on to that part of exercise in the book, that's where it does get, it's really interesting is the, how much, okay, aerobic exercise, working out at 60 to 70% of your max heart rate, that's very, very beneficial. But then when you add in the element of complex movement, it yeah. seems to, the theory would be right that, yeah, you're, you're doing what you might be doing as a hunter-gatherer then. You're, you're moving and you're trying to figure out how to get over terrain, climb trees, do all those things. And then that's when you're, you're really at your peak evolutionary capability. You're doing everything you were evolved to do. Exactly. And, and, and you're, so you're using all the brain resources that you can, and that's what the brain loves. It's just like doing different kinds of muscle work. You know, I mean, looking at all the YouTubes here in, in quarantine and, and, you know, doing this, doing that. Oh, why not do this? So we do a little Zumba and, you know, me doing Zumba. Huh? Yeah. But you know, it's different. <laughs> it's a challenge. It's a challenge, man. And, and then you get to the point where you get a little competent at doing it and then it becomes fun. And, and that's, that's what you really want. Um, but the big, big 
issue these days is is getting enough exercise in in our quarantine you know stay at home situation because the best exercise is doing something outside yeah something with a group something that's fun that's the best exercise in the group the group part of it especially huh yeah. because I know for so many people without the group or without a partner or what have you, it's just done. And I look, I, I Peloton and I do things and I'll do videos online and it's just, it's just not the same. It's a, it's, it's a simulation somewhat and I like it and I enjoy it, but it's just, it's not the same as being part of a group. Right. No, the groupiness is, I mean, because you, because one, when you do exercise, you, you, you turn on the, you know, increase oxytocin oxytocin which is our bonding and love hormone and so you're more likely you're more wanting to attach to people to bond with people and and you also communicate that you're you're more bondable <laughs> you're you're more lovable you know oh, oh you kind of have that aura about you yeah, of, exactly you're uh, ready and they they people pick it up so there's there's that's that's why after so what you you're know, saying the, is it's a love potion yeah, yeah, no, it is. It is. Yeah. It's called that, you know, and and that's why you see the sick, unbelievable success of CrossFit. You know, I mean, it's it it yes, great great movements. They're OMB, whatever you know, the the daily the daily charge, uh, but it's also because they have a group that they meet with, and they and they, and you see this. People from all strata of life are in in a in a situation like that, and they become friends. Mm -hmm. So so people that would never re associate with other people in in whatever strata, you know, doctors with plumbers, you know, I mean, it just happens, and and they become friends. And they go for a coffee, and they you know know about their families, and you know, wow, and that's. That's, by the way, such a, an important factor in in health and wellness in general is is being connected. So I guess and, in a in a non-COVID environment, one of your first recommendations would be, other than just to to start exercising, probably would be to to try to find a group in which to exercise. Exactly, exactly. The success of of Zumba groups, of of yoga groups, of spinning groups, long before Peloton. You know, the spinning groups. You know, years ago when that started, it was amazing to me because my patients, and I wasn't even paying that much attention to them, but they would come in and <laughs> talk about their spinning group and how somebody dare, a new person dare wanted to come into their spinning group. It was like, <laughs> well, that's, kind of, that's, not, that's kind of like the scary part, but also the beneficial part yeah. of a tribal feel, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, they got the tribe and they, they <laughs> people walking in. Oh no. <laughs> that, that is the dark side of it, as we, as we kind of get back towards like, uh, towards recognize our, our tribal roots. Right. It's that you also have to, you also have to remember. Yeah. We did some really ugly stuff to each other back in prehistoric times. There's a, right. there's a, you, you got to find that right balance. Right, right, right. No, and, and, uh, but that's very powerful. That's yeah. very powerful. And that's very health promoting. We, we, we have all kinds of evidence over that looking at, you know, that the, the, the most important thing as we age, keeping us from using our doctors is, is connected how social we are. 
more than way more than taking your medicine as a doctor prescribed or even more than exercise which is more potent twice as potent as taking your medicine um well, well you know one of the one of the more powerful stories you tell in spark is of one of the kids that you had that was in the court system he'd had behavioral issues uh and he started playing the dance revolution right that was oh, his dance, form dance of revolution. <laughs> yeah um and it was a really just a very uplifting story because it changed his life and then, but I also thought about the, the kids who have ADHD and the ones who respond so well to exercise. I mean, at that point you start to wonder, all right, how much, how much is ADHD an actual disease or disorder versus society and, and inactivity is the actual issue? Because these kids, if they grew up, if they grew up in the 1800s working on a farm where they had to do two hours of chores every morning, Absolutely. they probably would be asymptomatic for whatever their their issue is right exactly and that's what we in our new book we make we make that point again and again we've made it in other in our previous books but now we're really pushing that that it's that it's really a trait and it's not a disease per se we mm -hmm. even want to change the name but uh, you know the the fact is it it's we all have attentional issues you know we can't all be we, we all can't be as attentive as we want to be all the time. And so, uh, and how to manipulate that in people who have it bad, you, you know, that's why you being in the professional athlete sphere, you know, a lot of your colleagues, a lot of them were ADD. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if they're doing three or four hours of working out, keeping shape, keeping in shape, and then playing or, or practicing, that's a great, treatment for ADHD, you know, a great treatment. Michael Phelps, wonderful example. Some, you know, he had ADD and uh, started swimming. He didn't need medicine. He needed it before, but now he, he didn't. And now, and, you know, and so people have, and there's all kinds of athletes like that. I mean, everybody. I had mentioned that to you when we were emailing that uh, I, I talked to a, a very good NFL defensive line coach once who, had a theory that a lot of, I, I believe he thought a majority of his better defensive linemen probably had ADHD, either right. diagnosed or otherwise. And he thought that it was specific to defensive linemen because it's very much of a, you know, see squirrel, chase squirrel, eat squirrel <laughs> kind of world. You're just, you're just constantly supposed to, it's one snap after another. I just got to go, I got to catch that squirrel. Um, whereas other, other positions on the field might require a little bit more foresight and planning. And I and it and it got me to thinking about when I was in college, how impressed I always was with the distance runners. Because I know mm -hmm. it, at Cornell, at least, and I assume it's like this at other schools, the highest GPA was always the cross country team, sure. you know. Yeah. And and I always and I always assumed that it was some part of their personality that lent them well to you know being academic. It's a sustained effort. Like people like that probably do well in training for. For cross country but after reading your book I, I was wondering like which is the chicken and which is the egg there is 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 that constant daily endurance work and the sustained endurance work over years and years is that just such a performance enhancer on the academic side oh it is it is it is and and i i don't know whether i even have it in the book but my first i think i do talk about my first adhd patient back wait right as i was leaving training um the was a guy who was a marathoner yeah uh, you know one of the early marathoners in boston you know where it all exploded 
um, and he had been a marathoner all his life and came to me when I started talking about ADHD. And he said, you know, can I come see you? So we talked and he says, look, I, you know, he's amazingly productive. He was a professor at, at Harvard and at MIT. Um, and he said, and I've never not been productive. Now, since I hurt my knee and I haven't been able to run, I'm a mess. He said, I, I, I can't get organized. I procrastinate. I don't return phone calls. I get angry. I mean, these are part of the ADD personality, you know, or prescription, you know, anyway, symptom cluster that they have. And he, he, I put him on medicine, the medicine helped, but then he, he was rehabbing, 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 and then I followed him through. And once he got to the point where he was back running, he didn't need medicine. You know, it was like he was self-medicating with his exercise. So, have, have you done any work in in prisons? Because you had so much success with a lot of the adolescents that you talk about. Has there been work done in prisons or with, with say, ex-cons? It's, oh, ex-cons, yes. I've, I mean, individually, I've seen a whole bunch. But the prisons are always... we. we they're hard to do anything uh, in terms of research. It's just too many lawyers. Oh, too, uh, yeah. oh, oh God. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, but for instance, one of the big uh, uh, sort of uh, things that are that are taking uh, over or, or, or being used in the prisons a lot is pickleball. Okay, pickleball. You can't imagine that being such a, you know, how can these rough, tough guys or weightlifting and all that kind of stuff in prison, they're playing pickleball. But it's it it really works. And yeah. really what it does is 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 reduces the uh you know their their aggression, their outward uh stupid aggression, you know, that uh, they, they get into uh and uh builds up relationships and all that. Such such a dumb little thing, which which I love, by the way. I'm saying it, but but for them to do something like that, but it it really hit a wave, and they've been on uh, 2020 and or 60 minutes, 2020, whatever, uh, to show that that this is something that they need. And so, what the, the secret sauce there was their exercise was moving, and also then relating differently to their to, to their friends and their foes in, in a way that helped, you know, stem the tide of uh, outward aggression and help people move. So, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine, I would imagine too, if you're mixing up teams and whatnot. And, exactly. uh, yeah. Well, pickleball, you know, you're always changing teams, you know, I mean, it's always changing, you know, it, it's, it's. I'll, yeah. I'll have to, yeah. I haven't played it. I know we played it in phys ed, and my wife, who is a phys ed teacher, has always told me how much the kids loved pickleball, and they love. Yeah, no, yeah. It's because anybody can do it, and it's fun. You know, it's just yeah. like it's just like a little bigger than table tennis. You know, you're running around a bit. You know, since we're talking about the prisons, usually when people associate working out in prisons, it's more they get they get their prison muscles. You know, they get swole uh, from lifting weights. At the time of your book, there hadn't been a whole bunch of research done on resistance training's effect on on cognitive function has there been more research in the last decade or so oh yeah and on in every area of of exercise there's just been a ton like with yoga there yoga back when i wrote 
they were there were a lot of studies, but most of them from India. And so you didn't quite know. But now almost all the kinesiology programs in the US have, have, a, have an interest in yoga and then a yoga and what it does for the mental health, what it does for cognitive improvement and all that. So, same way with, with resistance. Uh, a lot of studies now out from all over the world, all over the world, that we're looking at the effect of uh, resistance training and strength training uh, on uh, all the varieties of academic performance, uh, cognitive performance, IQs, uh, EQs, being more uh, emotionally contained, being less depressed, being less anxious, all that, that's being done. And there's a, a lot of good evidence that it's perhaps just as good as aerobic exercise and might in some cases oh, really? be better. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, oh, and, and that's, uh, you know, people want to know what's the best. Well, the best is something that you, that you challenge yourself, that you get your heart rate up because that's just a measure of how much muscle you're using. Um, and something that's fun. And if you can do it with others, that's a big bonus. Uh, and if you do it outside, that's a trifecta, you know, that's the, that's the best. So something like dance, okay, mm. dance, okay. Uh, it seems like, oh, well, come on, that can't be, yes, because you're having to think, you're having to move right, then you're having to move to the music, then you have a partner, oh God. I mean, think the, how complicated that movement is. Yeah. You know? For your brain to figure all that stuff out, and the, and then I would imagine the trust involved with that partner, so your oxytocin is just off the chart, right? Exactly, all that stuff, all that plays a role. Boy, I can't think of anything now that you mention it with dancing. There's almost nothing more primal when you consider all the complex movements, but also our our whatever our evolutionary drive to dance and respond to dancing is. Um, it just kind of checks off all the boxes, doesn't it? it? It does. And, and you know, and close behind is the martial arts mm -hmm. because, you know, without the music. So, you uh, you know, because it is about movement, it is about paying attention to the other movement. It is about, you know, getting your 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 forms exactly right, you know, and, and high levels of uh, aerobic activity. And uh, I'm telling you, it's, 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 and we see this, okay, back to the ADD world. If you, I mean, one of the ways of helping kids with ADD is you get them involved with dance or uh, an exercise routine or exercise program, but martial arts, huge, huge fact, factor in, in, in promoting kids from going from needing to go to a faraway school out in the West, West I mean, the, the West, you know, Utah and Wyoming and Arizona and Colorado, where they send kids that they can't manage, Yeah, you know, to these special schools. I, when I first started working with these, with that, that kind of group, I was shocked at one of the conferences that, you know, back in 1990, that one of, one of the things that they were all talking about was their dojos was their, you know, senseis was, you know, getting the right person in to teach martial arts for everyone. And that, yeah. and so they had sort of figured out that this is a way to do it because a, a big part of the, the right sensei 
it is about respect of the other, respect of your own body and then the other person. And so, you know, so you build in that social, uh, what, the social learning there. And, yeah. and it's really something. In a really, and in a very conducive environment because you've primed the pump <laughs> with, uh, with the exercise, right? So you've got right. the brain that, that's going to be very accepting and open to maybe rewiring a little bit and oh, yeah. changing the way you behave and, and then however you had been the previous 12 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. And, and well, I, I think I put it in the book about Naperville, but one of the major things that freaked me out when reading it or, or learning about it is that this one uh, PE teacher, the sort of head PE teacher for one of the high schools had, had, had said, well, he's going to have dance, uh, a segment of dance in, in his PE, which was not one of the things they were had there. And uh, then he said, what he's going to do is have people talk to each other before they, you know, a partner every day, every day they were assigned a new partner. Yeah. And he gave them scripts to talk to each other because he knew it. <laughs> Ninth graders don't, you know, they're, they're not very facile in talking to other sex, uh, the other sex, the opposite sex. So he had to break the, the, uh, the bonds there. And so, and then I, I told him when I was observing, I said, you know, you really want to check and make sure they're staring at each other and they, they're looking at each other in the eye mm -hmm. because that's so important. We get so much social information from the face and the eye. Uh, and so he started doing that. He, you know, he said, okay, at the end of the first day when they were uh, out, he wanted people to say what color the person's eyes were. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and those are such basic things. You know, what that reminds me of is Bill Snyder, the football coach at Kansas State, um, who's just legendary in terms of his ability to work with kids and bring kids along and teach leadership. One of the things that he does to teach leadership is everybody talks about leadership in football, especially they love to talk about leadership, but they don't usually actually teach guys how to do it. That's one of his exercises is he has, they start off having after, I think it's after practice, they have to stop and have a, a several minutes long conversation with one of their teammates and get to know them, get to understand them, where they come from, learn something about them. And then they do it the next day. And it's all about increasing your sphere. First, you do it within your position group. Then you do it outside of your position group. And, and it's great for a football team, but it's teaching all those kids something that they probably never would have done, you know, to consciously and systematically get to know everybody in an organization and to, and to attach a lot of importance to it. Well, it just, and, and when I would talk about this with to a whole bunch of psychologists, psychiatrists and tell them what they're doing there. And I mentioned this and they said, oh my God, they're, they're uh, preventing so much social anxiety. Yeah. You know, which is rampant, you know, I mean, people don't and, and you do it sort of normal. OK, this is gym class. This is just PE. You know? <laughs> everybody does it. So when everybody does it, you just do it. You, you know? just right. You normalize it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just just like Bill Snyder. You know, it's perfect, you know. And, Boy, and, and but especially these days with kids have with their heads buried in their phone. Yes. I'm, I'm sure yeah. eye contact is in an all time low, right? Right, right, right. You got that, but but also you you 
you mix that in with movement, and then you got real growth of of our social muscles in, in a way, you know, and, and decreasing our social anxiety muscles. So I've, uh, okay. So now you've already got me inspired and now I'm, I'm going to have to go sign up for dance lessons with my wife for whenever, <laughs> whenever this is all over, <laughs> whenever we're allowed to take dance lessons again. Um, okay. I've got one more practical question based on the book before I, I want to ask you about your COVID stuff. Um, as I told you, I look at it as a performance enhancer, enhancer now, and there's a part of me that wants to get like four bouts of exercise in per day so I can really take advantage of that one and a half hours post-exercise. But I'd imagine at some point it gets to be overkill uh, and, and, and counterproductive. What's the what's the tipping point? At what point does it does it harm you oh, more than help you? Yeah, yeah. The I mean, okay, uh, the, the the Tour de France guys okay they 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 measure everything mm -hmm. <laughs> and they there there was a big study going on uh looking at when cortisol increased cortisol is stress hormone and in we you know and usually when they're you know the when they're just when they're exercising in the beginning, there's no cortisol. A lot of us will have cortisol released to help us do better, but they are so well-trained, they don't need any of that until about an hour and a half of intense training. And then cortisol went big. So they said, well, we should stop that. We should focus on more the high-intensity interval training because we'll, we'll get a, a, a better result over a longer period of time. So they broke it up and they took the rest and recovery and then came back to it. But what you're talking about doing these intervals throughout the day, not a bad idea, you know, but first of all, if you just do it in the morning, okay, you just start your day this way and you do an hour or an hour and a half or half hour, you're gonna have a way better day the whole time. Your, your brain is gonna be switched on though more than it would be the whole time. Plus you have a uh, an effect of, oh, I'm doing this, I can do this, I can, I'm, I'm more confident, I'm feeling more confident and, and that will stay with them that they are in that mind space to do that. However, it's true. It uh, the the effect does start to de diminish after about three hours or so, four hours in terms of that big jolt you get mm -hmm. of increased performance. Um, but uh, you know, and, and and as you do this, if you do this repeatedly, that is daily, uh, eventually you will build up bigger bigger muscles performance muscles in your brain to help sustain that that's you know? and that actually uh that part of it helped too because i was uh, i i was on a, a three-month roll of not missing a single day of exercise when i had to have the surgery that i told you about and you had mentioned that yeah after after chronic exercise for a period of time you your levels remain elevated and then also rebound a lot more quickly than if you had just worked out for sporadically for 
a week here and there. So I felt better about that. I was in a, I was almost going into depressive funk because you, I, you'd gotten me productively addicted to, to cardio. Um, but I feel, uh, I, I feel like I came out of it just fine. Well, I mean, for instance, I, I think, you know, cardio is, is, is sort of the base of the ex exercise, but most any kind of exercise you do, you're going to get cardio training, you know, I mean, and that's the thing about weight training. I mean, now I've, since I've been locked down here, um, I've gotten into kettlebell, you know, going on the net and doing kettlebells. I mean, you know, and that, that, that gets your heart rate up there, you know, you, you do that and mix it in with real, real uh, aerobic stuff and holy mackerel, you know, it's, it's a way to really get in shape and I've gotten stronger than I've perhaps ever been. So oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Our, uh, our old strength coach, Dan Riley, who was, he was with the Redskins. He was the first, well, going back, I'll go, his resume was he was a strength coach at West Point. He was the first full-time strength coach at a, at a college in America. And then he went to the Washington Redskins and was there with them through their Super Bowls. But he was very much into high-intensity interval training um, very early on, you know, in the, in the 1970s. And the studies he had done at West Point were that the kids that did the high intensity training, just, just lifting, no running at all outperformed and improved more on their mile and a half test than the kids that were, were just running, you yeah. know? And so, yeah, he, he, and you know how that is. You can do a 15 minute, you can do a 15 minute weightlifting workout on a circuit. That's the worse than any 45 minute, anything you've ever done before. Yes. 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 If, if you're, if you're challenging yourself and stressing yourself, for that, you know, and then you have to do that. So, so yeah. what, um, what are you learning from COVID and, and what concerns you the most with your research? Well, first of all, the, the, the it's going to be with us. Okay. Even, you know, we're going to, by June, they estimate we're going to, you know, a lot of us are going to be in, uh, in vaccinated, but it's still going to be there and it's still going to say we should watch our social gatherings. So that that's always going to be there. And right now, especially is getting through these months, uh, you know, we need to pay attention to how to make our body and our brain best. It's really important. This is another motivation. Okay, when we exercise, we do all these great things for our immune system. We decrease chronic inflammation, which is in, in medicine is for the past 10 years, it's been the big bugaboo. Reduce chronic inflammation because that leads to all kinds of problems, cancer, heart problems, also brain problems, also you know, early Alzheimer's disease, all that. But it, and then it also boosts the immune system, the immune response, the antibody, which is part of it, and then the, the T cells, which is a gobbling up cells that we make. Both of them are improved and our whole immune response is improved when we are exercising. Then you reduce the three top comorbid so-called uh, indicators of bad news if you get COVID. One, is obesity. Two is diabetes. Three is heart problems. So if you're in fine, you know, in, in good level of fitness, 
you are much more likely not to have a bad outcome. Now, it doesn't guarantee it because you certainly hear about these marathoners who are dead, you know, and, uh, you know, and so forth. Um, but we now know that there are three ways that exercise uh, affects the body in a way to help prevent uh, bad outcomes with COVID. Mm -hmm. The first is it reduces the uh, the binding site, ACE2, which is stuff all over our bodies that COVID binds to. Okay, and it makes for a better balance of that whole system so that it's not going to be as welcoming for COVID to bind to, especially in the lungs. The second is that it creates a uh, another uh, antioxidant enzyme that I learned about with COVID that's all over the body, and I should have known about it before, then it, and it, by your moving your muscles, you create more of this specific antioxidant that works in the lungs and helps prevent lung problems. And this is what we really want with COVID. What's the, what's the name of that? That's It's called... Um, <laughs> The, the, it's, it's called extracellular superoxide, superoxide dimotase. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not the, it's not a nice thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a ESD or something like that. It'll, it'll get an acronym soon. Yeah. Yeah. ECSOD. Yeah. That's, that's what they, they, anyway, extracellular superoxide, superoxide dimotase. Anyway, and the third thing that it does, that exercise does, is that it increases the concentration of interferon. Now, interferon, uh, you, we've probably heard about it from, in relationship to cancers, and, and, but it's an antiviral. It's something, our internal antivirals, that works to uh, chase away and kill viruses. Bingo. So you have these three specific reasons to, to 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 spend more time on fitness well oh, that's fascinating well I, I really look forward to your new book as well what's the title the new book is adhd 2.0 oh okay yeah it's it's and it's uh it's going to be a big deal you know because there's a new way of thinking about adhd uh new new uh looking at a strength-based treatment, uh, as well as looking at the uh, use of exercise. And, and, you know, right up front, we talk about the cerebellum, you know, which no one has ever really spent that much time talking about with ADHD. But, uh, you know, for instance, people, kids with ADHD and adults, um, uh, more than 50% of them are not coordinated well. You know, they have discoordination somehow. So by helping them get more coordinated, your brain works better yeah you know and and so so doing you know jump rope or doing uh, yoga or standing on one foot while you're brushing your teeth and you know that kind of stuff really helps well that that and that was one of the pleasant side effects i suppose or benefits of reading your book spark is i learned more about adhd um and it opened my eyes to I think perhaps maybe a lot of the uh, 
a lot of the assumptions people have about ADHD are, are very, very wrong. And I was guilty of that too. So I, I look forward to reading, um, well, first your original kind of your seminal book about ADHD, which helped open up everybody's eyes to it. Uh, so I would encourage everybody to go to johnrady.com, R-A-T-E-Y.com. Look for them on Amazon. 100% read the book Spark. And then also look for his new book, ADHD 2.0. Uh, Dr. Ray, I really, really appreciate it. And again, I, I thank you for thank you for writing that book and uh, opening my eyes to a lot of things and helping out a lot of other people. Great, great. Well, it's good to have the conversation with you, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, well, there he is, John Rady, just a, a complete and total gentleman, isn't he? Also, since I referenced it a couple of times, I said that Spark was one of two books that's changed my life, but I didn't tell you the name of the other book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. Love that book. I'm trying to get James Clear on the podcast. He's been he's been difficult to pin down. I'm working. I got to go through gatekeepers to get James Clear because uh, he's very very busy. So we'll. Uh, oh, you know what? If you if you feel inclined and you want to reach out to James Clear on social media, tell him what a swell guy I am. That would be cool. So. Spark, Atomic Habits, really go to johnrady.com if you want to keep up with any other things that he's doing. Um, he's also, I, I actually, I talked to him for about 20 minutes after I stopped recording uh, and I kind of wish I'd kept it on. Uh, he's got some really cool plans for how to make this more systematic, how to get more people, um, you know, from the top levels of government, encouraging schools and kids and families to be doing all of this. And, uh, and, and I think that's really the only way you could ever get a lot of this done. You know, corporations too, I think, uh, and getting them involved in insurance companies. If you're, if you're interested in that at all, there are different ways that you can get involved in that. My wife is a phys ed teacher, or she was a long time ago, so uh, she's very intrigued by a lot of the stuff that John Rady is doing. As always, I, I love that you guys spend time with me one or two times a week. If you're so inclined, uh, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, subscribe, all that good stuff, and everybody just be well. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 